We're momming today with Emily McCarthy, the co-founder of Go Ruck, which is a Made in America backpack brand. Emily, thanks for coming on. Your story is um, just mind-blowing. First of all, you have three children. Uh, you met your <laughs> husband when you were both in the military. You were in the CIA. You got divorced. Yes. You got remarried. You have this company. You spent time overseas. Uh, you were a teacher as you were <laughs> recruited by the CIA. Um, what a story. Yes, yeah, nice. Great to be here, Lauren. Thanks for having me on. Yes, it's it's quite the story, not how I would have planned it. <laughs> so what did you plan? Take us back to the beginning. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I I come from a long line of teachers. I was a French major uh, in college at Georgetown University. I thought I was going to be a teacher and a coach, maybe even, you know, live at sort of a boarding school type situation or, you know, work in some sort of overseas capacity teaching kids. And, you know, post 9-11, it changed my life. I I reconnected with my high school friend, Jason McCarthy, and uh, he told me he was going to be, be going into some service. Now, this was on the heels of me finishing a year of service, volunteer service in Ecuador. So I thought, oh, He's going to join the Peace Corps. And then I found out he enlisted in the Army to join the uh, Street to Green Beret program that they had at the time. So he was encouraged me to do something else. He said, you know, you should look into the, the CIA. And, and I thought, mm, I'm not sure that's for me. But I, I went ahead and threw my hat in. I, I applied as a language teacher and not knowing that, you know, they usually recruit native speakers, you know, and, and you know, while I'm fluent in, in three languages outside of English, it probably wouldn't have been good enough to meet their standard. But I didn't know that at the time. So I was just teaching, waiting, and then I got a call back and it, it set off a two year interview process, um, in, including the whole shebang, the polygraphs, the personality test, the you know, interview after interview. Can I pop in here? uh, I just have some questions on that. Is that typically the process to get recruited or uh, to to interview with the CIA? Two years? Yes and no. So the actual recruitment part, I'm not sure how common that is. I think that sort of when there's a a need. uh, Post 9-11, there was a, a lot of money being poured into, you know, fighting terrorism. And so there was like heavy recruitment, you know, goals to, to meet. So I think that's, that's just based upon the needs of the service. As far as, you know, the process, it is lengthy. That That is normal. Wow. Uh, what were, so I'm assuming you speak French, Spanish, English, and what's the fourth language? Uh, Portuguese. Portuguese. So, okay. So I didn't know post 9-11 if it would have been Arabic. So that that's what's so mind boggling. I went in there thinking, I just have these sort of easy, you know, thinky languages. How how useful could I be? I don't speak Pashto. I don't speak Arabic. Don't speak Mandarin. Those are the what were the strategic languages then and and are even to, still today, if, uh, including Russian and a few more. Yeah. So I didn't really know how useful I could be. Um, that being said, you know, those languages are I, I was a French major, so I had studied for a long time. I was a Spanish minor, so I was already fluent. I, I tested out of these right when I joined the agency, which gives you sort of a kind of a, a head start, so to speak. So after going to the farm and being trained to be a case officer, 
I was the first person from my class, which was a fairly large class at the time, uh, the to, to go out, to actually be sent out on a mission, just because I already had language under my belt and there was a need in, you know, for a French speaker in, in West Africa. And I can I can tell what this mission was because it was um, and it was a sort of one. Sometimes they're open source, sometimes they're not. But the you know at the time the Darfur issue in Sudan was sort of blowing up, and President Bush wanted to know specifically why Sudanese rebels had left the Darfur peace agreement. So they they came to me and they said we don't have any French speakers available. <laughs> you know everybody's studying these other hard languages, or all our French speakers are already engaged in other places. So. You know, Emily, we need you to go to through Chad because we can't get to suit to see the Sudan um, because the government's not issuing visas. We need you to go to Chad and find these Sudanese rebels and ask them why they left this peace agreement. OK, wait. So. OK, wait. questions, questions, questions. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So you were just dating Jason at this time at the time. So we actually had um, gotten married and we're we were living this life of. He was in training to become a Green Beret. I was becoming, you know, a CIA case officer. And for the next sort of, you know, five years, we lived apart. Wow. You know, seeing each other on our our R&Rs, our rest and relaxation time. What did your parents say? Oh, gosh. <laughs> they didn't know what to think. We we were so, so dumb, you know. It's <laughs> like, you can't. I don't recommend that. I don't recommend that route. Because, you mean a long distance you know, relationship? For a very long time and both in careers that are very high rates of divorce, uh, which know, is what very, happened, which is exactly what happened. And we were like, no, 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 that's not going to happen to us. It's going to be fine. No. So, <laughs> OK, fine. so so what happened? So so now you go off through Chad to Sudan to figure out exactly what's going on. And, and where is Jason at this point? OK, so at that point, Jason was in training back in the States. Um, so I got sent on that mission. I stayed in Chad. The rebels came across the border. I met with them, asked them the question, wrote the report, um, came back. Everyone was shocked. I had even found them. Um, but uh, that's another story. But yeah, so Jason was training. And then, you know, I came back for a little bit. We probably saw each other around Christmas time. And then I got shipped out to another posting in West Africa. And he went to Iraq. He went to Basra at the time. And this was during the surge. So, you know, people... People who were there during that time, they know it was pretty kinetic. It was it was pretty terrible. And quick side story, you know, being that I had a top secret clearance, uh, you know, he would be able to contact me on the what we call the high side and, and you know, so a secure line. And he would he'd tell me everything, you know, oh, we got this many mortars today and this is what's going on. And I I, I had to contact a friend, a mutual friend of ours to tell him to, to basically shut up. <laughs> Like, I don't need to know all those details. Oh, I, can't, yeah. I couldn't focus. You know, it wasn't it wasn't business at uh, when it was him being shot at the, uh, out there. Uh, so. yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Wow. Um, OK. OK. So how long was he in Iraq? How long were you in Chad? Um, well, I was in Chad a shorter period of time, but then I was moved to Abidjan. I was there for um, three plus years. He was in Iraq for. Um, a little less than a year. That's probably what those deployments were like at the time. So, okay, so we, we met. We we were able to meet in in Africa and Mauritania when he was there on a on a mission. I was able to go up there and so, see him. Emily, where comes the baby? Where comes the backpack into this timeline? <laughs> oh my gosh! 
Well, backpack before baby. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we were we were trying to come up with sort of a next step. You know, what are we going to do when you get out of the army and and have to have something to do to not go crazy? And I told him like, oh, you should we should do this go ruck thing that he had been talking about because he had been issued this really great military gear, but you know we wanted it to look a little bit more like it could pass for a civilian life, you know, sort of the, the job that I was doing, but he made me a go bag or a go ruck when I, which is it for, we have them in in the media too. Um, you, you have a bag ready with everything that you might need packed all the time. So if you're sent on assignment, you just, you can go your go bag. Exactly. Yeah. So some people call them bug out bags and there are different things in different industries. But in this case, it was like, for me, if, if things got really hot, uh, where I was a coup, or, you know, some sort of reason I needed to leave, I could just grab it and go, you know, have all my essentials, money, food, water, a weapon, uh, you know, uh, some, my dog, my stuff for my dog, some, maybe some medicine if I needed it, an extra pair of shoes. So he built that out for me. And cause he, he got on the ground where I was and he was thinking, you know, wow, this is, this is feels unsafe. So he was mm. trying to basically be be protective. Mm-hmm. So we we talked about him starting sort of a company with backpacks, but it was different than what it has become. It wasn't fitness based at the time. It was more security minded. Okay. So, it, you know, it'll, it seems like you have these complicated, um, uh, high stress lives and jobs. And then, you know, a backpack seems overly simple for some reason. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, so you have this idea for your post-service life, his post-army life, that you're going to um, have a company? Oh, you know, it was it was not it was not fully baked, Lauren. <laughs> it was like, hey, when you're waiting to go through the you know the two year long process to join the agency, so we could be a tandem couple together. You've got to have something to do and you could basically build out these go rucks and sell them to people, you know, because mm. people were asking us like, hey, that seems like a good idea. I want one of those. So that's kind of where it started. But, you know, Jason, he likes to do everything the hard way. And he said, oh, I'm just going to design a backpack from scratch. Make sure I got it exactly what I want. That, that'll be easy. And, you know, that was a whole sort of rabbit hole adventure. What, what, what we didn't realize at the time, you know, was that the backpack end up would become a cult classic, like an instant cult classic as soon as, uh, you know, he sort of brought it to life with these endurance events that, okay. that just yeah, started in 2010. We're going to get into all of this when We're Momming Today returns right after this. And we're back on We're Momming Today with Emily McCarthy, just getting into the part of the story where she helps found this multi-million dollar business, Go Rock, which is, you just, did you just call it a, a cult classic? Is that the word you <laughs> used? A civilian cult favorite? What did you just say about that? Yes, the the GR1, the it's our signature original rucksack. It was sort of an instant cult classic. Uh, like, you know, once once people decided they wanted to, to buy it, um, and this didn't start until about 2010. It was, the company was founded in 2008. It took about two years to build this rucksack. And the idea was that you could use this in Baghdad or you could use it in New York and it would sort of, it could fly under the radar and still, and still serve your needs in either, either place. How popular was it or has it become, I should say now, you know, over a decade later? Yeah, it, it, 
you know, like anything, it it was really expensive. It was made in the USA. It was about three hundred and ninety five dollars and no one wanted to buy it. So Jason put a bunch of bricks in it and ran the first ever Tough Mudder um, with a bunch of green berets and then started running all these sort of tours of the city S, you know, special forces style, put bricks in your rucksack and ruck around the city. And that's that's where it sort of caught on. It got people's attention because it was this wild thing. It was like meet on a street corner, 1 a.m. at night. And this SF guy was going to form you into a team with these strangers. And I did the third ever third one ever that was in New York in November of 2010. And it, and it seemed, and we, he and I were not together at the time. We, we were recently divorced and I thought, you know, I'm going to be there to support him, but I'm also going to go to show him that like, I can do this. I, I can do this dumb thing he's doing, you know, <laughs> this, this dumb thing. Well, it's an, it, it was an experience and I, you were probably at the beginning stages of when people paid or started to pay for that experiential factor. Absolutely. So, I mean, it was crazy, Lauren, like he brought bricks to these events and sold these rucksacks out of like the backseat of a, a taxi. And people, you know, some people bought them, some people borrowed them. You know, he was to, just doing it to get pictures. And to who? Next like, thing you know, there's a website with three items, you know, two rucksacks and a hat. To, and, is and it now, to former military members or is it to like regular people? It was everybody. Wow. It was everybody. It was it was um, civilians. It was military folks. It was um, firefighters, police officers, teachers, everyone, you know, started coming and and wanted to do this. And, you know, now, you know, like you said, we we have a a multi-million dollar company selling selling these rucksacks. Are they still $395? What'd you say? Are they still $395? Yes. They are, but we have many, many iterations of that rucksack now. Um, Amazing. Different, different styles, different sizes, different colors. But you, you were saying, I'm sorry I interrupted you, you said you're now more of a fitness company. Yes. So, it, you know, it was interesting because it went, you know, we're known in the everyday carry as, you know, having these sort of bug out bags is great things to carry every day. Um, but what really has sort of separated us from other backpacks is that our the design of a lot of our rucksacks are built for rucking, which is basically putting weight in in a backpack and walking with it. And so, you know, over the last decade plus, that's that's really what our focus has been. We we um, you know, you still can use it for anything you want. You know, on it's great for travel. It's great for every day, but it's also it's also a fitness trend that starts and everyone in the military knows about rucking, but it hadn't really bridged the gap to the civilian world until GORUG came along. And where do the kids come into this? <laughs> <laughs> the kids the kids came later. Um, it was sort of an accident, but happy ones. Help. And yeah. um, we've got, got a, we have a girl and two boys. Um, it's, it's a blended family. I had a relationship in between our two marriages so it's it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, I gloss over it now, but we went through some tough times. And um, but now it's it's been really great. Our 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 kids are really sort of into what we what we do. They they like the sort of outdoor fitness life. They know what a rucksack is. They 
they uh, you know they like to collect the patches that you get for doing our events. Um, can can fun. I pry a little bit on this um, marriage, divorce, relationship, child, remarriage? Yes. You wrote a book. <laughs> I, maybe I'm not prying because you did say you wrote a book about it. Oh, yeah. There's a book out there. Jason and I did but it together. Most people ha- despise their, their exes. <laughs> or just have a nice relationship for the sake of the kids, whatever. Um, but what happened? What happened with your situation? Oh, man, I... I don't know. I have good relationship with my my exes for some reason. Um, you know, Jason and I were we grew up together. You know, we we're friends from high school. I babysat his brother and sister growing up. His mom was my tennis coach. So it's the bond is a little stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I I I I met a Brazilian guy when I was overseas, um, you know, working for the government and 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 had a, a daughter with him. And I'm still I'm still on really good terms with him. Um, but he, you know, he he lives far away. Um, but he's still a big part of our lives. Uh, it, it, and then so when I came, I moved back from Brazil, I had kind of a rough go there. Um, I had a brand new baby, I had a police officer put a gun to my head when I was um, in, in a vehicle with my five month old. So it's it just sort of, you know, and to put it in perspective, Lauren, I've had plenty of guns put to my head over the years. But not with your in Africa. Uh, but it was different when I had a, a child next to me. Of course. Yeah. So so that that kind of didn't go as planned. None, none of those things go in as planned, like I said. But, um, you know, I try to find I try to find a lot of grace and in, in these moments and, and learning experiences. And so I came back and Jason and I had started this company together and I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, I, I need a soft landing. I'm going to be applying to other jobs, but I'm, I'm living at home with my mom, with my my baby. And can is there work for me to do still at GORUCK? And he said, sure. So I worked part time for a little while with, um, you know, taking care of my daughter as a single mom. And, and then, and then one day, you know, one day I, I, I found out I was pregnant with my, my, my first son. And I went to, I went to Jason and I told him, I have something that's going to blow your mind. And he looked at me and said, there's nothing you could ever say to me that would blow my mind, Emily. And I, I told him that I was pregnant with his son. And he, he said, I'm okay. My mind's officially blown. What? And, and the, the best thing he ever said, he said to me, he goes, what do you need from me? And it was really nice. It wasn't in a, a mean way. And I just told him I needed him to be nice to me and that I'd um, I'd talk to him in six weeks because I was taking my daughter to Brazil oh. to, according to a custody, a custody uh, arrangement. Um, so I said, I'll see you in six weeks. We'll work this out when I get back sort of thing. So, okay. Crazy times. Uh, interesting times. Interesting times. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, wait, so, and then what? (laughs) Yeah. So, so, so then we, we get back together. We didn't get married right away. Um, we had a second child. Um, so another boy and then we decided we probably should, you know, get, get remarried, have the same last name. You know, we had three last names floating around the house and, you know, and, and so we've, we kind of cobbled it back together and, and, you know, kind of continued to work together and and sort of put you know talk about our brand and raise our kids together and and it's, here we are it's hard <laughs> to work 2022 i mean uh, it must be incredibly difficult to work with um your significant other 
right? I would imagine. It's not, it's not easy times. Um, I'm not going to lie, but we have, we kind of work in separate offices and um, we kind of handle, we have different, we bring different strengths to the table. We have different sort of blind spots. So it, it, it does, we've worked it out. And like I said, the, the friendship, the friendship matters, you know, it, it goes a long way. Especially when you have and, kids. And, Sometimes that's all. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. And we sometimes say like, gosh, a hard day now is, has mean, it doesn't compare to the hard days we've been through. Well, I think your experience, both he and the army and, and you, I mean, in these scary countries in these scary situations for the CIA, I mean, you kind of just put everything in perspective a little bit different than other people do. Yeah, exactly. I think that, but I think I've had that ever since I, I lived abroad in Ecuador. It's just, it is a, an interesting point of view where you think, you know, I ha- I'm having a rough day and not to take anything away from that because I think suffering, you know, knows no bounds in terms of um, economic status or, or, or whatnot. But, but it does make you feel grateful for the things you have. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, how old are the kids now? Ten, seven, and five. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. So kindergarten to fourth grade? Yes, exactly. Okay. And in Florida, so there's been no masks and all that in school, I take it? For the most part, it's been really great. My youngest is in an outside program, and it's been the best thing for him. And if if you can, what's your, I mean, do you even make goals anymore? I feel like you're the type of person who kind of um, just flies by the seat of their pants <laughs> and, and is always doing something. So you, you don't, you've graduated from making goals, if you will. Uh, I actually just went through a goal setting process for work. I don't okay. really do it personally so much, but I, See, I, I knew it. A little, I knew it. Yeah, I do it. It's. I find it a little depressing sometimes because I, I wonder like, what, what did I do? what did I do this last year and what am I going to do? But then I talk with people and and I feel better about it because it's, you know, it's like sometimes it's hard to measure. So what, what, what you do, you know, sort of the impact you have. Yeah. Emily, it was so good to talk to you and to hear your story. Um, it's uh, what, what's the adjective I'm, I'm, I'm searching for right now. Interesting <laughs> is an understatement. It is unexpected. Exciting, <laughs> yeah, unconventional. Um, but look, you you just your voice just sounds so happy and pleasant and satisfied oh. with your situation. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.